You are about to embark on a journey. A journey where your worst fears become reality. A journey where hell is not below us, but amongst us. Don't be afraid, relax, and take a seat while I open the box of horrors. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Box of Horrors. My name's Israel Johnson, and I'm your host. Now, I know I've said that I would only do short stories featuring authors that aren't well-known, but this episode is different. It's not only the 40th episode of the show, but it's also the last of its kind. I'll explain at the end of this episode what I mean by that. Anyways, I'll be reading a story by someone that is known all over the world and whose name has become a household name over the many years that he's been writing. He began using the pseudonym Richard Bachman in the late 70s due to his uncertainty whether or not people were just reading his books because his real name was on the cover. He wanted to know that he could actually write. It's odd because the year before he began using the pseudonym, his book was turned into a successful movie, which catapulted him into fame. Nearly eight years later, Richard Bachman was outed and his real identity was uncovered, Stephen King. Today we will read a story titled Morning Deliveries. It's a story about a deranged milkman that delivers milk with various surprises inside. This story reminds me of a series of incidents that happened in the 80s, and it also coincides with where this podcast will be headed. But again, more on that at the end. Without further ado, let's read a story by the Master of Horror. The dawn washed slowly down Culver Street. To anyone awake inside, the night was still black, but dawn had actually been tiptoeing around for almost half an hour. In the big maple on the corner of Culver and Balfour Avenue, a red squirrel blinked and turned its insomaniac stare on the sleeping houses. Halfway down the block, a sparrow alighted in the Mackenzie's birdbath and fluttered pearly drops about itself. An ant bumbled along the gutter and happened upon a tiny crumb of chocolate in a discarded candy wrapper. The night breeze that had rustled leaves and billowed curtains now packed up. The maple on the corner gave a last rustly shiver and was still waiting for the full overture that would follow this quiet prologue. A band of faint light tinged the eastern sky. The darksome whirlpool went off duty and the chicades came to tentative life, still hesitant, as if afraid to greet the day on their own. The squirrel disappeared into a puckered hole in the fork of the maple, 
The sparrow fluttered to the lip of the birdbath and paused. The ant also paused over his treasure like a librarian ruminating over a folio edition. Culver Street trembled silently on the sunlit edge of the planet. That moving straight edge, astronomers call the Terminator. A sound grew quietly out of the silence, swelling unobtrusively until it seemed it had always been there, hidden under the great noises of the night so lately passed. It grew, took on clarity, and became the decorously muffled motor of a milk truck. It turned from Balfour onto Culver. It was a fine beige-colored truck with red lettering on the sides. The squirrel popped out of the puckered mouth of its hole like a tongue, checked on the truck, and then spied a likely-looking bit of nest fodder. It hurried down the trunk, head first after it. The sparrow took wing. The ant took what chocolate it could manage and headed for its hill. The chickadees began to sing more loudly. On the next block, a dog barked. The letters on the sides of the milk truck read, Kramer's Dairy. There was a picture of a bottle of milk, and below that, morning deliveries, our specialty. The milkman wore a blue-gray uniform and a cocked hat. Written over the pocket in gold thread was a name, Spike. He was whistling over the comfortable rattle of bottles and ice behind him. He pulled the truck in to the curb at the McKenzie's house, took his milk case from the floor beside him, and swung out onto the sidewalk. He paused for a moment to sniff the air, fresh and new, infinitely mysterious, and then he strode strongly up the walk to the door. A small square of white paper was held to the mailbox by a magnet that looked like a tomato. Spike read what was written there closely and slowly as one might read a message he had found in an old bottle crusted with salt. One quart milk, one econ cream, one orange juice. Thanks, Nella M. Spike the milkman looked at his hand case thoughtfully, set it down, and from it produced the milk and cream. He inspected the sheet again, lifted the tomato magnet to make sure he had not missed a period, comma, or a dash, which would change the complexion of things knotted, replaced the magnet, picked up his case, and went back to the truck. The back of the milk truck was damp and black and cool. There was a sunken buggy smell in its air. It mixed uneasily with the smell of dairy products. The orange juice was behind the deadly nightshade. He pulled a carton out of the ice, nodded again, and went back up the walk. He put the carton of the juice down with the milk and cream and went back to his truck. Not too far away, the five o'clock whistle blew at the industrial laundry where Spike's old friend Rocky worked. He thought of Rocky starting up his laundry wheels in the steamy, gasping heat and smiled.
Perhaps he would see Rocky later, perhaps tonight when deliveries were done. Spike started the truck and drove on. A little transistor radio hung on an imitation leather strap from a bloodstained meat hook which curved down from the cab ceiling. He turned it on and quiet music counterpointed his engine as he drove up to the McCarthy house. Mrs. McCarthy's note was there, it always was, wedged into the letter slot. It was brief and to the point. Chocolate. Spike took out his pen, scrawled delivery made across it, and pushed it through the letter slot. Then he went back to the truck. The chocolate milk was stacked in two coolers at the very back, handy to the rear doors because it was a very big cellar in June. The milkman glanced at the coolers, then reached over them and took one of the empty chocolate milk cartons he kept in the far corner. The carton was of course brown, and a happy youngster cavorted above printed matter, which informed the consumer that this was Kramer's Dairy Drink, wholesome and delicious, serve hot or cold, kids love it. He set the empty carton on top of a case of milk. Then he brushed aside ice chips until he could see the mayonnaise jar. He grabbed it and looked inside. The tarantula moved, but sluggishly. The cold had doped it. Spike unscrewed the lid of the jar and tipped it over the opened carton. The tarantula made a feeble effort to scramble back up the slick glass side of the jar and succeeded not at all. It fell into the empty chocolate milk carton with a fat plop. The milkman carefully reclosed the carton, put it in his carrier, and dashed up the McCarthy's walk. Spiders were his favorite and spiders were his best, even if he did say so himself. A day when he could deliver a spider was a happy day for Spike. As he made his way slowly up Culver, the symphony of the dawn continued. The pearly band in the east gave way to a deepening flush of pink, first barely discernible, then rapidly brightening, to a scarlet which began almost immediately to fade toward summer blue. The first rays of sunlight, pretty as a drawing, in a child's Sunday school workbook, now waited in the wings. At the Weber's house, Spike left a bottle of all-purpose cream filled with an acid gel. At the Jenner's, he left five quarts of milk, growing boys there. He had never seen them, but there was a treehouse out back, and sometimes there were bikes and ball bats left in the yard. At the Collins, two quarts of milk and a carton of yogurt at Miss Ordway's a carton of eggnog that had been spiked with belladonna. Down the block a door slammed. Mr. Weber, who had to go all the way into the city, opened the slatted carport door and went inside, swinging his briefcase. The milkman waited for the waspy sound of his little sob starting up and smiled when he heard it. Variety is the spice of life. Spike's mother, God rest her soul, had been fond of saying, but we are Irish and the Irish prefer to take their taters plain. Be regular in all ways. 
Spike, and you will be happy. And it was just as true as could be. He had found, as he rolled down the road of life in his neat beige milk truck, only three houses left now. At the Kincaid's, he found a note which read, Nothing today, thanks, and left a capped milk bottle which looked empty but contained a deadly cyanide gas. At the Walker's, he left two quarts of milk and a pint of whipping cream. By the time he reached the Mertens, at the end of the block, rays of sunlight were shining through the trees and dappling the faded hopscotch grid on the sidewalk which passed the Mertens' yard. Spike bent, picked up what looked like a pretty damned good hopscotching rock, flat on one side and tossed it. The pebble landed on a line. He shook his head, grinned, and went up the walk, whistling. The light breeze brought him the smell of industrial laundry soap, making him think again of Rocky. He was sure all the time that he would be seeing Rocky tonight. Here the note was pinned in the Merton's newspaper holder. Cancel. Spike opened the door and went in. The house was crip cold and without furniture. Barren it was. Stripped to the walls. Even the stove in the kitchen was gone. There was a brighter square of linoleum where it had stood. In the living room, every scrap of wallpaper had been removed from the walls. The globe was gone from the overhead light. The bulb had been fused black. A huge splotch of drying blood covered part of one wall. It looked like a psychiatrist's ink blot. In the center of it, a crater had been gouged deeply into the plaster. There was a matted clump of hair in the crater and a few splinters of bone. The milkman nodded, went back out, and stood on the porch for a moment. It would be a fine day. The sky was already bluer than a baby's eye, and patched with gillis little fair weather clouds, the one baseball players call angels. He pulled the note from the newspaper holder and crumpled it into a ball. He put it in the left front pocket of his white milkman's pants. He went back to his truck, kicking the stone from the hopscotch grid into the gutter. The milk truck rattled around the corner and was gone. The day brightened. A boy banged out of a house, grinned up at the sky, and brought in the milk. Gotta love his writing. This story reminds me of the Tylenol murders that took place in Chicago in 1982. During the 80s and prior, there weren't any safety seals on over-the-counter medications. It may seem odd that there weren't any safety seals, but it's kind of like how ice cream is today. When you buy it from the store, it's usually unsealed. In 1982, Someone took advantage of the lack of safety features and the lack of security cameras and began putting potassium cyanide into the capsules. Sort of like in this story. As people 
we don't think about the amount of trust that we put into strangers and sometimes it bites us in the butt. Why do I mention the Chicago Tylenol murders? Well, as I mentioned earlier, this will be the last show of its kind. The show will be headed in the direction of true crime. I will discuss a variety of crimes, both solved and unsolved. I'm not only a fan of horror stories, but I'm also a huge fan of true crime, and I love discussing these acts of horror Now, I'll be taking the week off next week, but I will be back on Saturdays, of course, but this time at three. I hope you all have enjoyed this chapter of the show, and I look forward to exploring this new chapter of Box of Horrors. Thank you, and I'll see you all soon. There must be lights burning brighter Flying higher in a sky more blue If I can dream of a better land Where all my brothers walk hand in hand Tell me why, oh why, oh why Can't my dream come true Oh why Understanding sometime Strong winds of promise That will blow away the doubt and fear If I can dream of a warmer sun Where hope keeps shining on everyone Tell me why, oh why, oh why Won't that sun appear Answers, answers gonna come